Okay. Welcome to The Approach. I'm Cal Kamuna. And I'm Patricia Deanna. <laughs> Smooth. So, Smooth. Um, this week's been fun. Um, I went to Cumbia for the first time. I did Wait, Cumbia. Sure. I did. So instead of doing salsa, like I normally do on, on Thursdays, I decided to try Cumbia, um, which is a dance from Colombia. I've learned it when I uh, workshops and ballroom dances back in like, I don't know, 2017, um, but I'd never done it socially. So it was, um, it was going to be a challenge for me to go out and learn cumbia. And uh, it's easier than salsa. It's easier than bachata, but it's not as fun because it's so simple and pretty much all you do is the basic step over and over again. What is the bait? Like, what is it? it's it's like slow quick quick slow quick quick slow quick quick slow quick quick so um and then you step behind or you step to the side so you're you have like two different basic steps you're either step behind with your your dominant foot and then two steps and then or you kick to the side and then two steps so it's just that over and over again so it's not stimulating so well what if that's just because you they're teaching maybe a beginner lesson um no I was I was at the social like dance hall I was like seeing the people who dance this do it oh wow uh, it's it's a, it's a very very social dance though um but you know I learned a lot there were some really interesting people there the men are a little bit more direct like one guy uh he told me he wanted to brand me he wanted to put his name on my back he wanted to put his handprint on my ass and on my neck oh wow and I was like I mean don't get me wrong it sounds hot but maybe it's not the conversation you lead with or it's the best conversation I was telling uh my client um because sometimes they get attached to like the words that they're using Mm -hmm. I'm like you can literally say anything like yeah. literally anything, anything. But the problem is if you hesitate saying it, right? Like you can't hesitate. Say it. if you're saying it and you just own you everything you're saying. He, you're he literally did not hesitate at all to tell me any of this. Like we had just, I think we were like a couple of dances into it because um, they, they don't stop. There's no break. You just go from one song to the next and all the, the rhythms are pretty much the same so it's like you're listening to the same song for a long period of time and yeah. so like two to three songs into it he's just like yeah I think he's like do you have any tattoos no it's like I think my name belongs on your back <laughs> <laughs> I was like sir I like <laughs> I like this guy do you I mean like sounds something I might say I mean, just like in the mood. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was he was hot. He had like great um, sexual tension. Um, what he said was really hot, but it was just like, wow, this is this is a lot. Um, it's 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 funny. Um, I also you might find this really interesting. I started experimenting with the apps. Oh. I got on Hinge, Hinge. and because I wanted to see 
the abundance that you were talking about a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. with uh, women having a lot of it. And I was like, okay, let me just, let me just see what she's talking about. Oh my God. So I got on on Monday and by Wednesday I had to pause. I literally had to pause the account because there were so many matches and so many uh, like message messages asking me out on dates and like roses. And it, it was a lot. Like I was like, I, I thought for sure because of my age that, you know, like it would just be, you know, just a couple of dudes yeah. here and there. It's a lot. <laughs> like, Do you want to hear the crazy part? Yeah. For your demographic, because you're mm-hmm. black. Yeah. You actually get less matches than like white women. Oh, I'm sure. And that's, and you're still getting bombarded and like an overload. Like you, you can't even think. It's just like too much stimulation. It is. Yeah. It's a, I heard a girl once say like sometimes like when she's feeling down about herself, she'll yeah. open up the app just to, you know, get yeah, an email so boost. Funny. Yeah. And I didn't understand what she was talking about until I downloaded one of those apps and I was like, oh my God. Very interesting though, um, how poorly conditioned a lot of guys are on, they don't say anything. They'll just like a photo or they'll make a small comment or they're super desperate to get you on a date. Yeah. Dear Lord. (laughs) Yeah. As a man, like, you know, first of all, you probably, if, if you're, you know, just starting, you might be getting like two matches a week. And some guys don't get any matches a week. Wow. Uh, but, you know, I always tell women that they're dating like 5% of men. Like that's who they're dating. They're not dating all men. They're dating 5%. And because they're only dating 5% of men, they, they're like meeting these confident guys that, you know, they seem like they have it all. They can get whoever they want. And they assume that all these other guys are like that too. Hmm. Like, <laughs> no, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. It's not how it works. Um, So it's interesting. Um, I'm learning that the men that I find most attractive are the ones with lots of abundance, the Mm -hmm. ones with a lot of options. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean with women, I just mean in life in general. They have um, abundance in several different places in their life, but. It's like, that is a brave feat. You can't just be any woman and like a man of abundance. Wait, what do you mean by that? You have to be very self, um, like you have a lot, have to have a lot of self-esteem. Uh, yeah, I, I think to a degree. Um, okay. I, don't, I don't think that's accurate. Okay, I think, I think you automatically will like them. Like you're, you'll find them attractive but you're going to find them intimidating. Like, I remember I had a date with this girl and um, it was actually like, I had my friend there too. And me and her were talking. And then I think I saw my date outside of the bar, just standing there. I was like, is that her? And I was like, I'm not, I wasn't too attached to having the date. I was, I was kind of just like, whatever, like come. So I didn't go outside. I just like, saw her. And I was like, okay, let's just come in. And I get a message later that she looked inside and she had a panic attack and she was having a panic attack outside. And then she went back home. Um, 
And, you know, I find that a lot of women won't date me because they, <laughs> they find me intimidating. Um, and I don't think it's, I, I think like there's a lot of reasons why I think mm-hmm. maybe one, because of my work, obviously, and my awareness around women, but right. also the fact that I have a lot of female friends that are beautiful. Right. And women find that intimidating. And I, I don't, I don't blame them to be honest. Um, I actually find it very attractive when a man, one, understands women because so many men act like we're just super difficult to understand. So I'm like, it's always great when somebody does their homework and they're very curious about us. So I find it super attractive when a man has basically knowledge on how to talk to us, how we think, and what basically makes us um, tick. Um, and then two, I also find it to be like, cause I'm a cat person. I have, you know, like, I love my cat and I like the fact that when she wants to be around me, she lets me know. And men of abundance who have a lot of women in their life, if they're around you, it's like a sign that they want to be around you, not because they're desperate for your attention or your validation. So honestly, I think it's hot. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I, yeah, you, you have a lot of self-esteem, right? Yeah. It goes back to that. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny to me because there's, there are moments where, you know, the girl doesn't have enough self-esteem and then it's hard to date her. And then there's some women that are overly confident about what they can, they can get into their life. Right. Uh, and I'm not someone, especially if you don't, have me on social media and like, like you're not going to know everything about me immediately. Right. If you don't have me on social media, but um, yeah, sometimes like a, a girl will act like weird or like she's above, above my league or something. And all I, all I think in my head is like, really, you're going to go that way. Like that's, that's sad. <laughs> like, I feel bad for you. Cause you don't even know what you're missing right now. It's like, you know what? You I'm just let you fun, you. Uh, Huh? Like, I'm going to just let you do you. I'm going to just let you do you. It's funny to me. But, you know, it's yeah. funny because I feel like we actually have um, something in common in that area. I think we both tend to slow play people when we first meet them, um, where it's like, I'm not going to give you everything about me up front. Like, yeah. you have to earn certain traits about me, certain, you will only know that I have certain gifts and talents if you get to know me, I'm not going to just like show up up front with it. And I feel like not that you have a strategy with that, but that's how I felt with you. It was like, Oh, wow. I mean, I of course loved you when I first met you, but I was like, as I got to know you, I was like, damn, there's a lot more in there. Well, it goes to, it goes, you said to me, and we've talked about this in extent uh, that men have to earn their stripes. Mm -hmm. And I know that I've earned my stripes and I've been through a lot of trauma and all that jazz, but I've told you that, that me talking about the things that are vulnerable, I know that it has an effect on women. I know that it gets them very invested and like they start trauma bonding and wanting to like nurture me and, and all that. So I keep that to myself because it's dangerous. It's, to me, it's dangerous. I'm like, I know if I let her know this about me, that she's going to be way too into me. And it might not, not only that, like one, it's manipulative and I feel like I can use it as a, as a weapon, but also my, another fear is that she's going to like me more than I like her. 
<laughs> and I need it to grow in a steady fashion. Right. The, the funny thing about me saying that, that me, I want it to like grow steady and I'm cautious about it is that I'm also very fucking direct. Like if I like you, especially if, even if I don't know you, but I'm interested in you, I'm going to let you know what right. my intention is and what that, what that page looks like and where we're going. Right. It doesn't mean that I love you <laughs> yet, but I'm very quick to let you know what my intention is, but yeah. I'm slow about reaching that intention. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really responsible of you to understand that, you know, one, uh, women do definitely attach to, I mean, anyone will, well, it doesn't matter male or female, we're going to attach, especially on trauma, <laughs> you know, like that nurturing part comes out of us and all we want to do is rescue. We want to uh, rescue, nurture, like, oh, I want them to feel better and, or them, I do it with women too. And I have to be aware of that, but you know, it's, it's important that you're aware as a man <laughs> that that's, that's gonna, I mean, get I, us think all women, I think women need to be aware of it too. Cause women, oh, yeah. weapon. women, I know, and I see them using it as a weapon all the fucking time. Like, to be honest, a lot of the times when a woman cries in front of me, I feel like I can say one thing and she'll just start laughing. And I can tell that she just made herself cry to emotionally manipulate me there are times when I feel that way other times I need to express this emotion and the way that I like see okay which one is it is are they using an emotion are they using their emotion to get something out of me or are they just expressing it to express it right but a lot of times women use it to get something out of me like I remember I dated this girl and, and she knew that I was polyamorous and then at one point she you know where we've been on a couple of dates has been two weeks and she's like so what are we <laughs> or something like that and we saw each other quite a bit in those two weeks but it was it was still like she knows what she signed up for right and I was like uh what do you mean by that and she's like well do you want me to be your your girlfriend like do you want to be exclusive and i'm like um no like i like i'm polyamorous like i'm 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 open to seeing you and you can see whoever you want but i'm i'm keeping my my options open and I'm not, I can't invest in just you. I can't just commit to you. And right. for you, for you to ask that of me is you breaking up with me because just how monogamy has a boundary, polyamory has a boundary too. And if you're stepping outside of that, then you're breaking up. So right. you asking me for a monogamous relationship is you saying, Cal, we're breaking up. Mm. Right. And she just like started, like she, she didn't start crying like me like that, but she, what she did was she put her face in the pillow and she just stayed there for like 20 minutes while we're watching the office. And she just like starts like, like, you know, shaking and like crying and like, and I'm just like, I know she's just trying to get a reaction from me, but I console her a little bit, but I was so turned off by that whole situation. I'm, I, I can't, um, I can't let that kind of shit happen anymore. Like I used to be right. very quick to take care of people, but now I have to like savor my energy. Like my energy is very important to me. Like I need to keep it for myself. And if I'm, if I'm taking care of you, I've had that go south so many times. It's just, it just like, it doesn't help. It just like, you want to just feel this pain constantly and I'm just enabling it. Right. No, it's, it's, it's responsible again of you to understand that that's what's happening. Um, I personally, 
have always been aware that, especially tears in front of a man, it, it, it causes a reaction out of them, good, bad, ugly. And so I know for me personally, I never want to be in a situation where I feel like I have to, um, or I want to, or have to emotionally manipulate anyone. So I think it was mostly because I watched it happen as I was growing up, um, with different women in my life. And I was always so annoyed by how quick they were to go to tears when they weren't getting their way. And it was like, it felt like weakness to me. It's victim mentality. It's like you are making yourself a victim. And that to me is manipulative. Oh yeah. I'm like, I'm like, take responsibility for your shit. And I, I don't, I don't understand why someone wants to be so quick to give their power away and to be pitied by other people. Like to me, that feeling is so disgusting. Like someone, you're a man though. Not not even, (laughs) no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I think there was a time where I wanted to be pitied. I it's just same thing. Like as, there, are, there are men out there that know that their emotions can is is a weapon, and they use it. Mm-hmm. They become the victim because they get that attention, that nurturing that they desire. And right. They don't have any other way to get it. So it's not because I'm a man. I think it's because of my my time in the hospital and just like when I got out, I was like in a wheelchair and a cane, and I would see people looking at me. As if like, oh, he's so young. Like, oh. And I'm like, fuck you. You don't fucking know what I can do. Fuck you. You don't know what I've been doing. Fuck you. Don't do And I, I think I told you this once. Like I, when I was in high school, I used to walk on the sidewalk to school every day. And I'd see this old man taking a walk. Like he's like 80 or something. And this guy was blind. And he was shaking all the time with this like stick and just taking a walk. And I would look at him. I'd feel bad for him. I'd pity him. But then when I, when I was in that situation, I was like, who the fuck was I to pity him? This guy at that age, blind, still had the fucking gut and courage to go for a walk. Right. He still did that. That's like, that's powerful. That's him taking responsibility for who, what his situation is. So that's, that's inspiring to me. But when, when people are like, are are quick to be a victim and this is this, this, like in our gen, in my generation, I see this all the fucking time especially with privileged people. Oh, They're yes. quick to become victims. They need it. It's the only way they get attention. I, just, yeah, I, I agree with you, which is why um, I've always had a an hard time making friends that are women. Now, luckily at this point in my life, I have plenty of friends that are women, but um, I, I remember making decisions on who I wanted to be friends with on how quick they were to come to tears and how quick they were to put themselves in like a victim situation. Uh, especially when I would call them out for something like, Hey, you are constantly late for this. And I don't like, you know, and it would be like, I had it. And I was like, okay, cool. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need your excuses. It's fine. And, um, so almost, and I was like really, really hard on that for a long time. And I finally started to like let up because I'm like, well, there it's poor conditioning more so than poor character for some of them, because I had to really learn, especially with like our YTT 
counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's literally conditioning. And I've had like issues with uh, women of all different ages, older than me, younger than me, where, you know, it, there would be a situation where they needed to be accountable. I would call them out for either not holding themselves accountable or for not taking ownership of some sort. And then it was like tears immediately or um, lash out Karen type of mentality. And I'm like, uh-uh, no, thank you. You can take that somewhere else. Um, and then once I kind of really understood that's how they're conditioned, this is how they have survived the world and this is how they've gotten what they've wanted. So of course, it's going to be a little bit harder for me. Whereas I grew up with, you know, a mother who did not allow me to be a victim almost ever, you know, no matter how much pain I was in. Um, if I, there was something to cry about, uh, I needed to get it out quickly and move on to the next thing. So in ways I was kind of jealous that these women got to like fully express their feminine emotions and stuff. But then in other ways, I was like, I would really like it if I could bond with somebody who had strength and a backbone and could actually use all of themselves to move through life. But yeah, I guess like some people, like I always think about how certain people are more spiritual or more, Mm -hmm. I guess, and more self-aware. Those people have been through a lot of shit. Like those people have been through a lot of pain because I don't think I would have taken that leap unless I had to. It's kind of like people who exercise. Like there are people who naturally just look amazing and they just never work out. And, you know, they look amazing in their 20s. And then when the 30s hit, they start to pack the weight and then they never they never built that habit. So they don't exercise. And when they do, they have to hire a trainer and this whole fucking thing. Right. Me, like I was genetically like my like I was weak. Like I remember the first time I went to the gym and I was lifting, I was trying to do bicep curls. I could barely lift the bar itself. Like it was an easy bar and it was like 15 pounds tops. Like I highly doubt it. And I could barely do three reps. I couldn't do one rep properly. I had to do negatives. I'd like start here and like I was that weak. Right. But I had to build my strength. And now like I appreciate that like I appreciate this um same thing like I feel like with spirituality and and self-awareness like some people aren't forced to do it because they've been getting their way they've been getting like maybe you're beautiful and you just get everything you want right so why would you you? maybe your parents were like treating you like a princess or a prince and gave you everything who knows But I, I definitely think people need to go through a lot of pain uh, to have that seed of happiness right. that like takes you to the next level, the next paradigm. Right. Um, what you just said makes so much to sen- sense to me about your personality, though, um, about you having to work hard for, you know, even just the, the negative part of your workout. Because yeah. I remember one time we were oh yeah, we were in the park and you were doing your gymnastics rings. And I was like, I want to try, I want to try. And I got up and I just did negatives or whatever. And it was hard. And I guess I expected you to judge me and I expected like there to be like a joke or something, but you were so kind. You were just like, okay, cool. That's what you got. (laughs) You know? And whereas like in other situations with any other 
person, I would have, you know, it would have been like a conversation back and forth. But I was like, I remember that moment thinking like, oh, that was, that was really non-judgmental. I, I really enjoyed yeah, interacting. I mean, it's cool. I get weirded out when people don't want to go to the gym because they're like comparing themselves to everyone else. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no one gives a fuck about right. you. Right. Like the fact that you think someone gives a fuck about you is insane. It's so entitled. And, right. and like, if a guy is looking at you, he's like thinking about sleeping with you. He's not looking at you to judge you. Even if you're like overweight and you're at the gym, there are guys into that. Like that, like that's, right. and they're probably respecting the shit out of you for being there. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I remember like, when I went to the hospital, I lost all my muscle, like all of it. And I saw myself like gain weight. And it took me a year to get back into the gym because the doctors, when I first was going to the hospital trying to get diagnosed, they're like, oh, you're just sore. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not fucking sore. Right. Like, that stuck in my head. So when I started wanted to work out, I was like, if I lift a weight, maybe I won't be able to move again. Right. So I need to like be careful. But then I, I was like, okay, fuck it. I need to do something because I got depressed when I didn't move. So I mm-hmm. started going to the gym and I noticed that I would look at these guys working out who looked physically more fit than me, but they were just doing everything wrong. Like they're doing the exercise wrong. I was getting angry because I was like, I have nothing to show for like my knowledge. Uh, and I got a bit bitter, but then I, I remember like, okay, whenever I see a man or a woman or anybody I can, and they're doing something better than me, or they're just in a higher position than me. I have two options. Either I can get inspired or I can get envious, right? So I was like, I was like, I'm getting envious right now. This is fucking bullshit. Like, stop. Like, use it as inspiration. Look how minimal effort they had to put in with their shitty training to get to their result. If I, if they can do that, I can do whatever the fuck. Like, I can, I can do something even crazier. So I rewrote my program and I went to the gym consistently, and muscle memory kicked in. And like two months later, I was back to where, well, not all the way, but I was pretty much back to where I was before the hospital. Yeah. Right? I have to catch myself in those, in those moments where I, I start to like resent people or like get envious and like, no, 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 no. Inspiration, move it to inspiration. Like it, there's no, like, I always think there's no competition for winners. There's zero competition. If you're a winner, there's no competition. doesn't mean that guy can't win. Everyone can fucking win. Jeez. It's such a healthy mentality, honestly. Um, it's, I mean, I know you hate when I do this. Stop it. I don't know what you're about to do, to be honest. Huh? What are you about to do? Uh, I don't know. I was just gonna, I was gonna say it's, it's, it's sexy as fuck when a man has, well, when anyone has just a winner's mentality, when anyone is willing, cause I, I was that way um, myself. Um, I didn't start ballet until I was like 14. I was like recruited based on body type and um, they kind of just throw you in there and just a little bit of background to really become at a professional level. You need to be studying intensely for at least eight years, if not 12. So it's like 12 solid years. They throw me into like an, an intermediate space when I started. And so there are girls in my class that are younger than me that are like, you know, like yeah. 11, <laughs> and nine in my class 
And you, you really cannot look and go, oh my God, I'm like the oldest person in this class or whatever. You just have to go, no, I really like this. I'm enjoying this. And it's a lot of fun. And, you know, yeah, they've been studying since they were little, but I want to study too. I want to be good at this or I want, I want to enjoy it for myself. And then even, um, when I got older, I, um, started, you know, really taking ballet very seriously. I became super, super curious about its foundations and everything. And I remember, um, having to retrain basically, I had to take all of the old training that I had and then throw it away and then go back in. And I use that same mentality. Like, uh, I don't care. There are teachers way younger than me that are doing way more, but what I want is what I want, you know, like what I want is to absorb the knowledge and really have a foundation of its training. So I find it really, really sexy when any person can just fully immerse themselves in what they want to do versus how everyone will perceive them. So it's cool. And, and the beauty and the enjoyment of it is in that phase because like right. once you have it and you're maintaining it, it's, it's just part of your day. And it doesn't, it doesn't have that like umph that like that drive to just get shit done. Like even when I teach my clients, like I, like I love women, I love women and I desire women, but not to the same extent that some of my clients do because they don't, they don't, they never had women, mm-hmm. right? So their drive and their desire to go out and, and interact with women is just intense. And I was there at one point, like I was like, when I first started, I was out eight hours a day, just talking to people for a year. It was insane. But now like I can't even I, I can't do that. I'm like going out for an hour. <laughs> just like, <laughs> like now it's just part of my day. It's like a way I right. saw somebody and I walked up to them, but to get myself yeah. to the point where I do that is it took a lot of effort. It's, it's kind of crazy to me though. Um, because you built such a, an, an amazing foundation for approaching you know, how you approach and everything. And you've, you've got some really interesting pillars and principles going on there. Do you want to talk about, you know, what you learned and why you did it? Well, there's so much. And like, even when we're talking about like pillars and principles, there are so many different ones for different parts. Like there's certain principles that I have to follow before I even go out. There are certain principles that I have to follow while I'm out that are macro and some that are micro that happen in the moment. Some that are just like, this is the routine. Mm-hmm. Then there are, there are principles that I take on that are after where I process everything. Um, but it's very intense. And, and one thing that I, I noticed was approaching is the, is the most human thing that you can do. It's like connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And because it's the most human thing, you can take any of your life experience before. And I find this with everything, to be honest, but I found it especially true with approaching that everything applies. Like everything that I learned from working out applies to approaching. Everything that I learned from theater or acting, apply everything, everything that you do. Um, And that life is a paradox. And I have to carry these, mentalities that are two different polar extremes and be able to bring them somewhere in the center. Um, I think I'm getting sick because I'm getting daisily. <laughs> but uh, 
yeah, I, life's a paradox. That's the thing that I, that I figured out very early on and just having to maintain those mindsets. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I get it. I, yeah. I mean, I, again, um, it's, it's a healthy mentality that you've built. So, um, speaking of healthy mentality, um, there is a video, um, that I will share and post, um, that we just watched and it was about basically, you know, this independent, uh, women movement where there, you know, there's a cluster of women who are basically making decisions to live their lives as single people. Like they don't necessarily want kids and they, they're not, they're, they're happy to call themselves single. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I found really interesting about this particular um, video is that he, the the podcasters, both the co-host and the host seem to be very against women who want to label themselves as single Hmm. like who who don't want to participate in basically the traditions of marriage and kids Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering why this group of women who are just like yeah I don't want that are considered so offensive to you know men who I respect because I you know I watched the interview in full I like these guys. I think they're, they've got a lot of, of wise things to say. However, it's very confusing to why this small group of women, uh, which seems to be growing. I do admit that it's growing, seem to be so. That's the thing. I don't don't think it's a small group of women. Mm. I don't think it's a small group at all. Like I, I, I rarely meet someone who wants to have a family and and have kids and any of that i i really rarely ever meet that person uh unless that men and women women mostly women mostly okay men how men usually talk is uh like if i was to ask a client like a new client what their goal is they're always going to say like every fucking guy says this he's like he's like well i want to date around for a bit and you know see what i like and then if i if i meet somebody who you know is amazing then i want to you want i want to be with them like a long-term relationship or marriage or have a family or kids that's what guys tend to say like they want to experience their life and and abundance achieve abundance so that they can come from a position of choice and then choose the woman that they want to be with for the rest of their life uh women women the difference right now that I see between men and women is that men have the same choice that they've always had, right? Uh, they have the same choice that they've always had while women have the same choice that they've always had plus a new choice. Mm-hmm. And that is fine. Like I, I, I'm all about equal opportunity. You know, I, I think everyone should have every opportunity to do whatever the fuck they want. Like if a girl wants to just focus on her career and that's the life that she wants to live and she just wants to be single, good for her. It's not a, it's, it's not a bad choice. It's a choice. But that being said, um, what she's doing there is for her and she can't think that it's for someone else. She can't think that it's for us. Right. 
And if she thinks that it's going to make her more attractive to the, to the opposite sex, that is not true whatsoever. Like the, the thing that we look for as men, I think that women look for as women is completely different. And I think a sin that we always make men make this and women make this is that we look at it through our own perspective. So we think women like men, how men like women or right. women think that men should like them, how they like men. Right. That, <laughs> that made sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, this is um, interesting in the sense that I see the growing number of women who are like, I don't want to have kids. Um, mm-hmm. But it's honestly, for me, I get it um, on this side of the fence, of course, because I'm a woman, but you start to, <laughs> the internet really has messed us up because we have like too much information. Um, the, like childbirth was romanticized before the internet. You know, like you, you can now go on the internet and watch a live childbirth or, you know, like. Well, they, saw, they showed that at school. Like every, I think everyone knew. Well, they, they, showed, not, they didn't they show it. They, they didn't show it to me. But not only that, you also now have this movement of women um, of all ages, especially older women that are literally warning their daughters and their granddaughters that their biggest regret was having children or their biggest regret was getting married too young and that they wish they would have pursued their life. I know I was raised by um, a woman who was like, go after what you want. Don't worry about a man, you know, be, have that independent mentality. And I honestly, I'm happy that I was raised that way because it, it taught me the other things that I, you know, definitely wanted to have. I want to be able to survive in the world with or without a man, basically, if, if necessary. Yeah. Um, but I think with all the information out there, like there are so many health implications with childbirth, there are also now so many, what we're finding out so many health implications with being in quote unquote, toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. And they're finding out that women are suffering um, autoimmune diseases based on long-term abusive, like emotionally abusive relationships. Maybe that's where I got my autoimmune disease. (laughs) Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just really interesting. Yeah. I mean, we got to remember that when men are talking about this, it's not for you to take it personally. And it's something that we're speaking in general terms. And right. we can understand what's the intention of why they're saying it. I think the frame that they're coming from is, okay, do you want to be attracted to the opposite sex? If you do, then working on your career and, and building your capital and all that stuff, that's not going to feed that. Right. Okay. Um, that's what we're, that's, I think what they're saying. And I think it is a disappointment that I'd say over 50% of women are going that direction. And then there's less options that men find attractive. Right. But, you know, you know, I, I was, I was thinking about it earlier. It's like men have to build their value and women need to kind of savor it. They, they have to like protect their value and, and, um, but yeah, like some, some men suck at building their value and some women suck at protecting, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. maintaining it. Like they're like they, and, and the whole culture that, that this is 
breeding, which is like everyone fucks everyone. Sex is like a cup of coffee that benefits men more than women. Definitely. Yeah. Cause like men, like we're not losing our value when we're doing this, but women, like when they're, when they're just like having sex with everybody, like I want to be a part of that. Like I, I want to have fun, you know, I'm polyamorous and I, I, I believe in free love. That's my lifestyle. But I can tell you that other men are not going to find you um, attractive in a relationship setting mm-hmm. like compared to someone who savors themselves. But to me, to be honest, for me, I can't date a virgin. No fucking way. Like I can't date someone who hasn't had a lot of sex. And I, and to me, to me, if you've had sex with like one or two or five people in your life, then you're probably not very good at sex. You're probably good at fucking your ex-boyfriend, but you're not good at fucking people generally. (laughs) I don't know. I'm very sexually free. That's the, that's the thing that kind of puts me, makes me a bit different than how other guys think, but I, I know, I know how they think. And there's, there's still a part of me that, that feels that, but it just, uh, I think I'm just in a different space in my life that it doesn't, doesn't affect me. Yeah. So, um, because, you know, we talked about basically what makes a woman valuable, uh, in a relationship. I find this, we got to talk about this because, um, one thing that I feel is very necessary for women is understanding the the men's mentality, especially a, an attractive man, about how what it means to be considered attractive to him, what is appealing to him in a relationship. And I know you're polyamorous, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think you can speak to um what's the difference between a woman who you're just like okay yeah this will be a fun casual fling for a while versus like this is somebody who I want to spend more time with and want to get to know on several different levels well besides attraction um I would say like for are you talking about like generally for men or are you talking about for me specifically oh i'm talking about i i kind of want to go to you specifically just because you are a man of abundance and like i i want women to go after men who they find really attractive yeah um like or you know basically market themselves that way um so it's I don't know if I want you to go, can you go specifically to men who are abundant? Not so much you personally, but like to someone who basically has options and they're like, I have to be, or this is, this is a person that I really want to be around. Well, like someone that we find attractive, someone's energy that we like being around that doesn't drain us and someone who can, can walk beside us on our path. That I think is what we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and everyone's, and I'm being very general because like, it depends on the guy's path. You, know, you never know what that path is, but a man needs to feel like he has a purpose in your life. And if he doesn't feel that purpose, he's not going to ever feel the desire to stay with you. He's going to feel like you don't need him. And, and that's the thing that most independent women do is they, they make themselves uh, to the point, they, they build themselves up to the point where they don't need anything from anybody. Mm-hmm. It's good. You're autonomous. You're independent, but that makes a guy feel like he's not necessary in your life, and that you know you don't need him. 
and he doesn't feel any purpose. He's not going to feel the desire to take care of you at all. He's going to be like, okay, she's good. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to meet someone else. Um, so it opens because I feel like, especially right now in the world and how women are being raised is that we are taught to do for ourselves, get your own thing, you know, go after what you want. And it leaves little space for us to truly be vulnerable around you guys. Wait, okay. Here, here's a thought. Okay. okay. You, cause if I had a daughter, I would also want her to build herself up. I, I'd want her to focus on her, like whatever she wants to do, whatever her passion is, but I want her to do something with her life. And just like how men achieving abundance puts them in a position of choice. I think a lot of these women who are independent, maybe they, they feel like they also are now in a position of choice where they get to choose how they live their life. Do I want to focus on my career? Do I want to have kids? Because the thing is, you can focus on your career and then halfway decide that you want to have kids and have a family. My sister did that. And now she's actually doing both. That's awesome. Like my sister is like fucking ideal. Like she's amazing. Um, but yeah, it puts you in a position of choice on how you want to live your life, how you want to lead it. Like guys not having abundance that causes them to settle for anybody who gives them attention. But when you have abundance, you get to choose who you want to be with if you even want to be in a relationship. And a lot of guys who get in abundance, they don't want to be in a relationship, right? For me, I don't want to commit to one person, but I want relationships because that's like a beautiful thing to me. And I think uh, it's natural to have multiple relationships. Um, for women, you know, they achieve abundance financially or whatever, and they get to become, they, they get to be in a position of choice. It's like men are trying to get the abundance that women have automatically. And women are trying to get the abundance that men have. It's a different kind of abundance. But the, the, the sad part is in my, like for being a man is that we have no choice, but to put in the effort to build that abundance. Um, while women, you know, they, they will, they can have their automatic abundance or they can choose to build it. Right. So I think that, that is the, the, that part, I think a lot of men have resentment around and I did, and that's why I recognize it. Um, but yeah, I don't even know why I'm in this conversation anymore. No, no, I, I, <laughs> I, yeah. followed, you. I followed you um, because I'm very, again, curious about how men feel towards women, especially, um, when it comes to, you know, finding for the ones that want the one or the wife material, what that looks like, how it, what she should look for. And then I'm also super, super curious about, um, women basically qualifying the men that they want in their life. Because I also believe that women who don't have enough abundance, basically, mm. um, within the dating world will also settle for whomever they can, you know, mate with. Yeah. And then also, especially like if there's a, a lack of self-esteem issue. Yeah. And then also how to tell if you're with a guy that basically has the qualities to help go the distance it's interesting that a lot of women have been knocked out of their feminine instincts to use these and I'm curious if you've ever 
I'm, I know that you probably have, but I'm sure you've been around women who um, have not used their best instincts with you. You want to talk about any situations or examples you've come across where they are, they like you and then they don't realize how much they like you. And then they're like, oh, I've got to. What do you Either mean? you or someone else um, where you may not be compatible with them. Oh, yeah. I mean, but they want to be compatible with you because. Yeah, I mean, this happens often, like too often um, with polyamory, right? It's like uh, I go on a date with someone and um, I tell them about my situation and they seem open to it they seem very interested and curious about it and they they're like yeah let's try that um and you know some women are like yeah i'm cool with that like yeah you can see other people da, 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 da. but eventually they will crack the emotions will come out either they expect me to take responsibility for their emotions where they're becoming a victim or they're trying to become exclusive and cut out all the other relationships um but that's not every girl like that's the, that's that's the like 50 percent <laughs> um but uh i i think i'm better now at, at reading the situation and just even even this polyamorous setting building it up in a cautious manner right. where it's like yes we're gonna see each other we're, we're gonna date each other right now we're not we're not you're not in a relationship with me in polyamory we're just dating at this moment Mm-hmm. and I'm dating other people too. You're dating other people too. So it, it seems like we're just single at that point. Right. Um, but yeah, a lot of women will lie about what they're capable of, what they're capable of taking emotionally. Do you think they're intentionally lying or do you think? No, that- I, I, I think maybe sometimes, but I don't, I don't think the majority of the times, I think a lot of the times it feels true to them at that moment and it's their truth. And um. And I, I think this is something that I've noticed and I might get a lot of backlash for this, that like men, when they think about their truth, they think about it very objectively and not personally. Like they don't, they don't look at how do they feel right now about this and decide their truth. Then they look at it objectively and they decide that's their truth. While women, sometimes I feel like their truth depends on the moment, right? Like I will ask a girl, do you like being approached? And she'll say, no. And it's probably based on that week. Maybe some guy approached her in a bad way. And then a month later, she'll tell me about how a guy approached her and she loved it. It's like, which one is it? Right. It's, it's very based on how they feel in the moment. Are you saying that women are more emotional? And <laughs> of, course, of course, that's not a bad thing. I think men feel this way about like vulnerability, for example, which is like being emotional. Um, a lot of people think when we say emotional, it means weak. And some men probably do mean that. The way I look at it is emotions are beautiful and they're, ne- they're your compass, like it's necessary. Um, but making your emotions dictate all your actions, that can be a problem at times, especially for men. Um, but like being able to hold your emotions and not uh, break down or make, make yourself a victim because of it, that's strength. 
making yourself a victim because of your emotions, that's weakness. That's how I look at it. Like right. seeing a man be vulnerable and just carry through, that's strength. Right. A man running away from his vulnerabilities, that's weakness. Right? Yeah. So, so emotions to me are, are they're, they're a sign of, of strength, but it's, it's more like, are you emotionally intelligent? Because you can be emotional, but do you know what to do with your compass? So that psychology today article that has gone super, super viral, it mm. basically explains that there are men in crisis basically because they are neglecting their emotional intelligence and that women have basically decided to raise the standard and say that, yeah, I'm not interested in dating unless the man has a ton of emotional intelligence now, this, I believe, is the right move, um, because I do believe we're in, like out of shirt and shift in humanity. And, you know, it's up to women usually to set the next standard about what what moves forward in creation and humanity. Um, so but I heard a guy at Cumbia last night. He said there's a different guy. <laughs> he said that he basically wasn't interested in basically improving his emotional intelligence that he would rather take the red pill that he likes considering himself a toxic man and that, you know, the woman should just have the good heart and do all the empathy work. And, you know, and that is not, he doesn't want to do therapy because he doesn't want to talk to anybody about his problems. Yeah, I mean, he's going to suffer the consequences of that. That's none of our business, in my in my opinion. Of course. But like, lacking emotional intelligence as a man is a red flag for a woman because it's a sign that you're probably going to end up in a codependent and emotionally abusive relationship. Because that, like, if a man makes his emotions, um, he if he doesn't, if he's not emotionally intelligent, doesn't mean he doesn't have emotions. It just, that means that he's probably taking his emotions personally and that he's making them your problem. Exactly. Right? Um, and that's a, that's something that both sexes do. So I think also men want women to be more emotionally intelligent. Oh, right? agreed. Right. Yeah. Like for, for women, it's a, it's a question of safety. That's what I think. Uh, and I think a lot of men are emotionally intelligent and uh, they come off as if they're not. But that's not because they're not emotionally intelligent. It's that they read their compass and they put it to the side. Hmm. Okay, this is what I need. To, this is okay. This is what my feelings are guiding me towards. Cool. I don't need to illuminate on it and just overthink this. Um, you know, one one problem that the older generation had was that they over they, they didn't analyze their emotions at all. Like older generations, they didn't analyze their emotions. They didn't go to therapy. They didn't do any of that. This generation, our biggest issue is that we overanalyze our emotions. We go in circles and we never actually process them. We just keep compiling more bullshit, more bullshit, more bullshit, you know, and, and it's important to, you know, analyze and then put it to the side. Oh, I'm definitely guilty of this. I'm still learning how to like, okay, this emotion has come up. I need to deal with it and then move on. Um, there was a, there were a couple of things that came up for me this week and I finally was like, Hey, what if you created a playlist of music (laughs) 
and actually process your emotions that way through music therapy, basically. And that way you can deal with it, not overanalyze it and move on. And it worked really well. So I was, I was happy about that, but I agree with you. Like the overanalyzing of emotions is on both sides. It's like, we just want to be in there. And I think it's, it's especially for those of us who suffered a lot of trauma as children and we weren't basically allowed to feel our feelings um, through teenage years and things like that. So when you finally get to feel them and finally get to like, it's like, whoa, this is, um, it's like a drug that you've never taken before. And it's a, it, there's a, there's a high to it and recognizing that, yes, your emotions are there to guide you and to, to tell you something, um, especially when you feel them in your body. Um, but you don't need to stay there. You know, you don't really need to well, stay there. You're not, well, if you stay there, you're not processing them. Right. It takes about eight, 15 minutes to process an emotion. But the problem is that your emotions trigger your thoughts, your thoughts trigger more emotion. And this, this loop just continues. And they keep pedaling the bicycle. I'm like, stop fucking pedaling. If you stop pedaling, you just let the bicycle go. It'll still keep going, but it's going to slow down. And then it stops. And then you can pro- you process, you feel it. Um, most people don't do that. And eight to 10 minutes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Look, remember, remember when we went to Bachata? And then yeah. I, got a, I got like a call from somebody that pissed me off. And then... I was like, I kind of snapped at you at one point. I'm like, I need to get the fuck out of here. And I was pissed. I was angry. We get in the car and I just start blasting extentation and like, um, just like angry, angry music. Right. And I was just like feeling my anger. I was like right. feeling it, feeling it, feeling it. And then we parked the car and then I broke down and I cried. And I told, I just said all the things that were pissing me off. Right. I said all the things that were pissing me off. And then, um, and then I stopped. Yeah. And then I, and did, did, did I call somebody or did she call me? I don't remember. I think she called you. Okay. Yeah. She called me and then I, and then we we're flirting and then we we're back to normal. Right. It was and- honestly, it was one of the most um, interesting thing. I'd never watched anyone process their emotions before but i never especially seen a man process his emotions as efficiently as you did i was like is that what is that all it takes like i was inspired i was like okay i gotta learn how to do this it was um but you gave me the space to do it like right like you got to remember that there's always two people in any any kind of relationship and i've been with women who they didn't give me the space to process my emotion Mm. Right. And that's when we start yelling at each other and we get into these fucking weird ass pointless arguments. Right. right. But, you know, there are, there are times where I need to talk things out. I need to like, just say it all. There are times where I just need to fucking breathe and just like go to another room and blast music and, and maybe work out or something and just let it out. And guys have their ways of processing their emotions. I think most men, the way they process their emotions is through like martial arts um, through, uh, working out, exercising, moving their body. Um, that's cause we're not used to tapping into that, that feeling directly. Right. It's hard. Even for me, a person who's been practicing that for a long time, it's fucking difficult. Like when I, I try to cry once a week 
Mm-hmm. I, I have to try to cry once a week. And if I, if I, that nothing, if nothing comes up, I'll just put on a movie and I'll, I'll figure out a way to cry. But uh, yeah, uh, even, even for me, like if I tap into that sadness, the, it's like the door opens, the floodgates open and it's all coming out. And if I catch myself too soon, I want to, I want to shut it out. I want to be like, Oh no. And it's super easy for me to shut it out. And I have to be like, no, 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 no. Like stay with it, stay with it, stay with the feeling, stay with the feel. I have to keep reminding myself to do that so I can process it and let it all out. Otherwise there's a bunch of residue and it's just going to keep compiling. Right. I know. Yeah. I noticed with me uh, this week when I was doing it, um, I think the playlist might be 18 minutes long. So I take an extra 10 minutes to process. But um, I noticed that when I kept pushing the feelings down, I didn't notice that I was doing it. It was like, I felt that parent trying to stuff down um, the emotions and tell me how to do it. And I had to finally just allow that inner child to just go crazy and you know throw the tantrum that she really wants to throw because that's what she feels you know that's she wants to get out all of the the stuff all the stuff that she is not allowed to say like I was kind of trained to think certain things like jealousy uh insecurity all those things are bad emotions and really there are no bad or good emotions they're just emotions and you know so I trained my mind especially as a young adult to believe that like, oh, if you ever feel these things, you have to basically talk yourself out of feeling them. You have to change the emotion like, oh, you don't really feel insecure. And like, no, it's okay. This is fine. And then by the time I got to the end of the playlist, I was like bawling like a baby. So I think more women probably feel more comfortable bawling like a baby. (laughs) I mean, it's socially, it's more socially accepted. Like I had my dad tell me that we can't, we don't cry. I've had like, and I, and that's like a stereotype, right. <laughs> a stereotype. but now like, I actually talked to my dad about it and like, he cries now. Like, it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, emotions, there's no good or bad. They're all, it's all music. Mm. Right? I always think of it as music. Like I like sad music. I like happy music. It's sad music is fucking amazing. Oh, it's oh. so cathartic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, I had this thought about music and how that's a human superpower that I think we all just graze through like birds fly fish swim kangaroos jump you know uh cats do all kinds of things they hunt they're cool every 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 animal has their like little super strength but humans have music and thumbs (laughs) (laughs) and thumbs but you know, <laughs> music is so prevalent. Like every culture, every human culture on earth that's ever existed has always had music. And it's like our gift to earth. And I don't think we really recognize that that's like our well, thing. It's funny though, because like, okay, so I come from a Muslim, a Muslim background and uh, my family was, they were very religious when I was growing up and they kind of got less religious as I was rebelling. But um, I remember my dad would not let us listen to music. Mm. He wouldn't let us listen to music. I don't even know how I listened to Backstreet Boys and, and sing with my sisters, but I think they had like a secret, like 
tape or some shit. Right. But yeah, my dad wouldn't let us listen to music. But the funny thing is, is like in the culture, um, when they're reading the Quran, the way they read it is very vocal and they practically sing it. And because uh, the thing is, I, I think they say that the Quran is supposed to be felt. It's not just you're not supposed to just read it. It's supposed to be felt in your body. Uh-huh. And um, so for me, I was always like, what the fuck? Like every time we get in the car, he's listening to like some religious thing. And the guy is practically singing it. I'm like, why can't I listen to Slim Shady? <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, it's. It just is interesting. I think in Islam culture, they they see uh, singing and all that as like a superpower and like that it is powerful. So we need to be careful with what we use that with. And uh, like my friend, my friend Julian, like he like I remember when I first met him, he listens to Eminem. And but like I remember when I first met him, he he was like, yeah, I stopped listening to Eminem because his lyrics were very negative and it comes from his, you know, what he was seeing in his life. But like, uh, you don't want to paint that picture and then have that be your life. Cause like oh, whatever yeah. you listen to kind of brings that up in your own life. Uh, and I was like, fuck you. I want to listen to it anyway. But that kind of goes in the same token. I think that Islam kind of represents where it's like, you know, you got to be careful with that power because you know whatever you read that's and whatever you sing that's gonna stimulate you and it's gonna be the direction your your mind mindset maybe is going towards um i grew up in um, a very very highly religious uh family as well we were um same thing we were not as religious now um but we were (laughs) we were pentecostal and apostolic christian and they're very strict on the type of music that you can listen to. So for years and years, um, even into early teenage years, I didn't really listen to mainstream music. In fact, I had to catch up with some of the things. So like, I only heard a Mariah Carey song like every now and then. I only heard a Whitney Houston song every now and then. I knew these were amazing singers, but like the the heroes the the musicians of my day were gospel artists so I listened to like Fred Hammond and Kirk Franklin and BB and CC Winans and these were like the real musicians and of course these people can blow they can sing they you know they've got like a lot of power in their voice and of course they sing with a lot of conviction conviction and emotion and they do all these really crazy things with their voice so when I did finally start listening to secular music um it was it was crazy to me that pop music felt so dead to me um because i was so used to listening to people who were singing about like spiritual heartbreak and spiritual growth and loving god and at a very deep level and like opening their hearts and then you get to like pop music and it's like britney spears baby one more time you know, hit me baby one more time. And it was like, wait, what? And so I would, I would, I still, to this day, I will pull up a gospel album quickly, you know, just to, to really feel something because that's how I grew up. Um, yeah. using I mean, I didn't, I never resonated with the religious and it's actually, a, you can't call it music. It's actually very disrespectful, I think, to call it music. Mm-hmm. 
trying to be careful, but it's kind of hard in this conversation. But my dad, like, I was just telling him this, he's like, it's not music, mm-hmm. right? But it's like that vocal. But yeah, for me, like when I went to the mosque as a kid, I would pass the fuck out. Like every time I would, I could not stay engaged and I would try, but I would just start yawning. And I, I don't know. I think honestly, to this day, I think it's like the way they set up the microphones. There's always an echo. Mm, Why do we have this echo? It's not helping. (laughs) And I don't know if if you're in the church is the same way. I don't think it is, but like in the mosque, like every fucking mosque I went to, there was an echo when the sheikh was like speaking um but yeah i i was never engaged by it but whenever i listened to like like when i was a kid it was like mostly like eminem like 50 cent and you know biggie smalls and and like their music actually got me going like because i was experiencing a lot of disconnect with my family and uh and that was closer to what i was seeing than whatever my family was experiencing because we came from completely different cultures at that point Right. Um, so I had a lot of anger. So that resonated with me quite a bit. Um, so let's end on a high note. Um, since we're talking about music, I think it would be fun if we did um, like a top five. So yeah, you're going to name right your... Now. Yeah, you're just going to name your... I want to do top five. Top five is, is too assumptive. I have okay, top. then we can do One's Gotta Go. So <laughs> let's Got do it. One's Gotta Go. So um, just we're going to... Yeah, just one. So we're going to pick, like, let's say four, four different musicians, and then... No. Okay, fine. I don't know. <laughs> That's not how I do music. Like music. I know, for, I know, I know. Like I in, know this, in this era, it's completely fucking different. Like when I was using LimeWire to download shit, like I was downloading like one artist extensively. I was downloading all their shit. I don't do that anymore. Now it's like I listen to one song from this random artist. I'm like, holy shit. Do you know how much music is being created every fucking day now? Like we're in a renaissance period of music. I know. I know. It's ridiculous. I I honestly, I don't want to do this. This It's too unfair. Okay. Okay. I want to tell you one song that I'm listening to now, but that's it. I'm not. That's too much, Patricia. Fine. Mr. Kamuna. Um, let's do what, what, what are you listening to now? Okay. Days? I can give you three. I can give you three songs. I'll listen to <laughs> okay. 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 Go ahead. Okay. I'm listening to, uh, Una Noche in Medellin, Medellin okay. by Chris MJ. That song is like playing everywhere in, in Cancun. Um, it's a vibe. Uh, I'm listening to On My Mind by Algorithm. That's a classic. And uh, this song that my one of my friends, she posted it on Instagram. It's called Good Puss <laughs> by Cobra. Uh, yeah, all of them are a bit different, but those are the ones I'm listening to right now. That's OK. So. Let's see. What am I listening to these days? Oh, I love that song that you um, shared last week, the Car- uh, caravan palace um moonshine that was so good yeah. it sounds like you like if you had a sound yeah it's it's got this quirky flair so mm. um i just made a playlist too oh song i'm listening to um 
by Labyrinth called Jealous. Jealous. Oh, it's. Whew. He's it, the guy who did Mount Everest, right? That's the one. Yes. Yeah. Good. Um, there's another one called Race It by Elias Burbick. Okay. And then I really like uh, this one's kind of old, but it's it's a good one. It's called Retrograde by um, Retrograde by who is it? Oh, by James Blake. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know Retrograde by uh, Ghost Main. <laughs> Ghost. Oh. Yeah, this is completely one's... different energy. That's like similar to that angry music. Yeah, right. this one's like it's it's Chronicles of Narnia for me. I love when music is uh, very complex in its production, and I think all three of those songs are just ridiculously complex and easy to easy to listen to. It's like ear candy, nice oh, ear candy. But, uh, so today I'm gonna skip bachata class because uh actually i didn't go to bachata class all week because on monday i was sick like i had like a stomach ache and this friday still sick uh, well i just had a stomach ache okay <laughs> and then uh and then this friday he had a stomach ache mm-hmm. so funny and then i i can go to the group class tonight but i have a tattoo appointment and i might get a chest piece i might like get a geometric uh chest piece Hmm, nice like i want something to like represent contrast i like paradox and to put that into words it's like so difficult and like it's it's such a complicated idea in my mind and that applies to everything that i feel like i can only express it through a a geometric tattoo but like yeah i have a yeah i'm excited that the artists that i that i found um I asked someone that I went on a date with because uh, she's from here. I was like, Who, who's good? And she recommended the shop. Uh, and she said, everyone there is amazing. And I went there and they were closed. And I and they said it was said it was open on Google. So I called them and they said, oh, yeah, we're appointment only, which is a good fucking sign for any tattoo shop in Mexico. Because they're all like, tattoo, tattoo. And I'm like, dude, how many drunk people are you tattooing a day? That's so bad. Um but yeah, I, I reached out and then they they picked the artist for me based on what I wanted. And uh, the next day, because I still was kind of looking, I still wanted, I didn't want to just pick any artist. Uh, and then I, I went to get breakfast and my server, he had uh, he had a really amazing tattoo of like Venezuela and everything. I was like, where'd you get it? He's like, Venezuela, of course. And, uh, and then he said to me, like, but I know an amazing artist in, in Playa, especially if you want like a geometric, t- I didn't even tell him what I wanted. He's like, especially if you want like a geometric piece. And I was like, cool. Like uh, add me on Instagram and send me your contact. The contact he sends me is the person I have an appointment with today. So it was already meant to be. Wow. And, uh, that's a good sign. So I'm, I'm happy. That's so awesome. yeah. Oh, good luck with your tattoo. Yeah. My mom's going to be so upset. <laughs> another one but, you, but it's like it's not your first tattoo you have tons of no tattoos. it's not but like every time i get one she's like ah but like this piece for example is the first time that she was like okay that's beautiful but this like this piece was built up over time so until right. it was all built up and like and put together 
And the funny thing is like, they all have my own, their own meanings for me. When my parents look at them and they think it means something else and they, they make their own meaning. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. That's what it is. Yeah. I, you know, just, I just want to say like tattoos, you know, I remember when I first wanted to get a tattoo, I was like, I want to get a tattoo. It's going to be such a good conversation piece. And like, like it's going to get like that attention or whatever. And I got the tattoo and I was super excited to talk about it whenever anyone asked. But then about like the 10th time that someone asked me about it, I was like, it's just a dead fucking tree. Like it's a dead tree. Like I, I just, I stopped wanting to answer why I got this tattoo, what the meaning is behind it. Like I, and now it's like my biggest pet peeve is someone's being like, so what does that mean? I'm like, yeah, maybe one day I'll tell you, but you know, I don't want to, it's, it's not a conversation I want to have. So I find, I just find it interesting that I wanted to get a tattoo for that reason. And now I just like it. Cause it's like a, it's a way to express yourself. And it's like, it, to me, it's like a fashion piece also, but I don't want to explain my tattoo to you. Like if someone asked me what this is, I'm like, it's a, I'm, it's a half-life. Uh, if someone asks me what this is, like it's a, it's a, a cubit. It's fucking this. It's, it's that. It's a dead tree. It's a puddle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm the only sibling of my a family who does not have a tattoo. So well, that makes you but, in this generation. I mean, I might get branded very soon. Who knows? <laughs> but, that guy because it turns out he goes to the victorian too where i dance so uh yeah if i ever see him again (laughs) he might try to brand me i (laughs) I was like sir no (laughs) we're not branding uh me the first night that i meet you because he was like yeah let me get you some let me get you a shot so Third date, third date. That's when it's appropriate, right? Third date. Let's call it. Yeah. No, it's too, no, it's too late, Patricia. It's not too late. We can say it's, bye to them. Bye. No, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Okay. Well, I, I mean, it's a podcast, not a fucking uh, TMZ episode. Okay. It's a, it's a fucking podcast, not a fucking tmz episode listen humans we'll see you next time we'll chat with you we love you be good humans stay safe you know that kind of thing be a good be a good girl be a (laughs) girl or a bad girl are you a good human or a bad human (laughs) oh god you're not a you're not a good human you're a bad human (laughs) 